And uh, so, yeah, this is a, a, a wonderful weekend. I'm using this thing due to an embarrassing accident that happened to me earlier this week. How many of you know I got a story out of it? <laughs> and I'll tell you about that later if you're really good. Well, we are... We're continuing this Facts of Life series in Ecclesiastes, and the title for this message today is Do We Get It? Ecclesiastes 6. So let's dive right in, Ecclesiastes 6. I have seen another evil under the sun, and it weighs heavily on mankind. God gives some people wealth, possessions, and honor so that they lack nothing their hearts desire, but God does not grant them the ability to enjoy them, and strangers enjoy them instead. This is meaningless, a grievous evil. A man may have a hundred children and live many years, yet no, longer, no matter how long he lives, if he cannot enjoy his prosperity and does not receive proper burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. It comes without meaning, it departs in darkness, and in darkness its name is shrouded. Though it never saw the sun or knew anything, it has more rest than does that man, even if he lives a thousand years twice over, but fails to enjoy his prosperity. Do not all go to the same place." Everyone's toil is for their mouth, yet their appetite is never satisfied. What advantage does the wise have the wise over fools? What does the poor gain by knowing how to conduct themselves before others? Better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Whatever exists has already been named, and what humanity is has been known. No one can contend with someone who is stronger. The more the words, the less the meaning, and how does that profit anyone? For who knows what is good for a person in life during the few and meaningless days they pass through like a shadow? Who can tell them what will happen under the sun after they are gone? Wow, he is not having a good day, is he, this, <laughs> this guy? Well, I, I couldn't actually believe it. I was stopped at a stop sign yesterday, which is a good thing to do, and I glanced over at the car next to me, and there, were, uh, there was a couple in the car, and uh, the only way I can describe it is that they were kissing extensively. <laughs> I, I, I'm, in England, we call it snogging, which is <laughs> snogging. Sounds kind of classy, doesn't it? Why don't you say it with me, snogging. Now, you have to say it with Prince Charles' ears and accent, you know, snogging. Yeah. And I am a student of humanity, which means that I'm nosy. And uh, so I'm watching these people, and frankly, they were quite old, which I found absolutely disgusting and, frankly, mildly encouraging, I have to say. <laughs> but when they actually quit snogging and their lips parted, I noticed, hopefully I had my binoculars with me, that they, just kidding, that they had toothpicks, both of them, in their mouths. <laughs> toothpicks. And I, I'm sitting there thinking two, two things. First of all, why would you do that? And secondly, how would you do that? <laughs> why would you do that and... How would you do that? In Ecclesiastes, that's what Solomon is saying. Why do we do life? How do we do life? And as we've already seen, he comes to some rather negative conclusions. And chapter 6 is the reminder, it's the review of everything that he's said up until this point. He uses this familiar phrase now, under the sun, life is 
here and now, 35 times within the book. The word vanity or meaningless, 25 times, grasping for the wind, seven times. And because this is a review, all three of those phrases occur in this section. We've already seen in this series, life is tough, it's seasonal. Pastor Dick Foth uh, pointed us to the truth that two are better than one. Relationships can help things. Pastor Rob, last week, the heart of worship. How should we approach God? What's our concept of God? Is he scary God or buddy God was the phrase that Pastor Rob used. And now, as we review this, perhaps there are some further lessons that we can learn. So if you're following along in the bulletin, follow along with me. First of all, Solomon's words suggest to us that we should perhaps get our eyes tested. Our eyes tested. Are we seeing straight? Our eyes tested. Are we seeing straight? From the beginning of this series, in that first sermon, Pastor Dowry reminded us that although these words are recorded in Scripture that this is the journal of a consummate hedonist. These are his meanderings and his reflections. God has decided to preserve this for us, but that doesn't mean that these statements are right. Now, that's really important. In fact, it's a good lesson for the way that we approach Scripture. Because if you just dive into the Bible and wrench a verse out of context, terrible things can happen. You can use Bible verses, as has been done in history, to condone slavery and human trafficking, condoning burning alive people who disagree with your theology, absolute subjection to kings, apartheid in South Africa. All of these things were done justifying them by the misuse of Scripture. And it really is obvious that Solomon is not seeing straight. Here's a few examples of how he gets it wrong. He says, a man may have a hundred children and live many years, yet no matter how long he lives, if he cannot enjoy his prosperity, does not receive proper burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. Verse 4, not only is that crass, not only is that profoundly insensitive to the pain of those who have suffered the terror, the awfulness of stillbirth or childlessness, but it's not true. Because it is better to have seen a sunset, to have breathed, to have lived, even if life is painful. And then Solomon says, do not all go to the same place. No. Wrong. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Solomon incredibly says, what advantage have the wise over fools? I can't believe he said that. Because the Bible repeatedly exhorts us to seek, to get wisdom, and to count it precious. And then he says, whatever exists has already been named, and what humanity is has been known. No one can contend with someone who is stronger. Which being interpreted means something like this, que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be fatalism. But the Bible teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, because everything can change. You see, Solomon isn't seeing straight. And Nay Nin, the French novelist, said, we don't see things as they are, but as we are. I think it's important for us to 
stop today and realize that we can see it wrong. A few weeks ago, the question emerged in this series, could we get it wrong? And when Pastor Dari asked that question on the internet, you could hear the laughter. We all laughed. <laughs> of, course, of course we can get it wrong. And yet subconsciously, we can actually believe that the universe would explode if we got it wrong. Maybe our view on things is not right. Maybe because someone said something to us, they may have said it with great gravitas in their voice, but it doesn't make them right. We can be wrong and not see straight. Secondly, Solomon encourages us to get our ears checked. Our ears checked. Are we listening and learning? Our ears checked. Are we listening and learning? He says, I've seen another evil under the sun, and it weighs heavily on mankind. Uh, the reason I'm using this thing, it's, it's really uh, kind of silly, actually. I, I was trying to carry two bags, each of which weighed about 70 pounds. Have you ever done this where you think, I can do this? <laughs> I have a physique of tensile steel. <laughs> I can do this. So I'm staggering uh, across the road with these bags when I suddenly felt like a guitar string snap in my leg. And I started leaping around, praising the Lord very loudly. <laughs> and I went to the emergency room, and it's, not, it's really nothing. I've just ripped a, my, my calf muscle. But I, I've got to wear, use th this thing for a few days to take the weight off. And I said, I'm, I've got to fly back to America. And they said, okay, but you need to get wheelchair assistance. So the day before yesterday, I flew from London to Chicago, Chicago here, and was transported around in a wheelchair. And I learned some lessons. Now, I would not dare to insult those who are brave wheelchair users with the notion that I have any real sense of what it feels like. Mine was an excursion, a day trip into disability. But I learned some stuff. People talked about me rather than to me. One said to the other, where's he going? I'm thinking, hello, I'm here. I'm going to Denver. One lady actually slowed down when she was talking to me. Can I have your boarding pass? I'm thinking, honey, it's my leg, my ears are fine, my brain's doing okay. Two people were actually unaware that I was apparently there. They stood really close and flirted over the top of my head. Just relieved they didn't have any toothpicks in their faces. <laughs> I nearly, I nearly got tipped out of the chair twice. <laughs> now, it is kind of funny, but it's kind of tragic, frankly. And I, as a result of my simple little excursion into disability for a day, no more than that, I will never look at another person who uses a wheelchair in quite the same way because I momentarily entered their world. Solomon is saying, hey, come on, welcome to my world, gather round. And in verse 1, he uses the term mankind. Would you raise your hand if you consider yourself to be a member of the human race? Just raise your hand. Apparently, there are one or two of us who are unclear about that. That's fine. Nanu, nanu. <laughs> Solomon is saying, listen everybody, whatever your background, whatever you got, whatever you haven't, here is the story. Life is tough. It doesn't come with backing music. I wish it came with backing music. 
Tom Cruise kisses the woman and the, the violins kick in. Doesn't happen for me. The New York Philharmonic are never available. And Solomon is saying, listen, everybody, live in the now because life is tough. Don't just look back nostalgically editing out the tough parts and don't just look forward hopefully, but live now. Do we get it? Robert Herrick's poem, Gather ye rosebuds while ye may, old time is still a-flying, and this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. Do we get it? And do we learn the lessons of life? Do we ever stop and wonder why we do what we do, or do we just carry on doing it? I've got a plastic owl on our back deck. Owl. O-W-L. Hoot, hoot. <laughs> All right, buddy. Everything's going to be okay. Don't look so alarmed. I got this because people told me that this would frighten away the birds. There is forensic evidence on the top of this owl's head. I put it by the grill. The birds gather to watch me grilling. You know, it's like, what's... Yesterday, I went out onto the deck, and I did what I always do. I go out on the deck, and I suddenly turn around, and I see him, and I jump. <laughs> and then I kind of went, oh, it's okay. It's the owl that I got from Walmart. But what is really weird about me is that every time I go out on the deck, I jump. And then I go, it's okay. It's the plastic owl. Would you just please say this to me? It's plastic. It's plastic. I know it is, but it still makes me jump. Now, this is a laughable illustration, and I'm looking at you, and some of you are, some of you are actually right now, I'm impersonating the owl. You're like, <laughs> and you're, you're looking at him more than listening to me, so I think he needs to be given a Christian burial, if that's all right. Okay. Everyone wave goodbye to the owl. You actually did that. Thank you very much. That's... Uh, <laughs> That's cool. Why do we do what we do? And sometimes it's laughable and sometimes it's tragic. I met, I, I won't say his name, I met a, a man that I, I used to know 20 years ago in a church that I was part of, and he had a very public problem with pornography. Every weekend he would go forward for prayer. He had actually these, these wild staring eyes, bluntly the eyes of an ogler, and he never did seemed to get over his issues. Every weekend, he'd come out for prayer, and I bumped into him 20 years later. I said, hey, how you doing? And his eyes got big again, and he said, you know me, Jeff? Same old, same old. I have news. Satan is not interested in short-term incarceration. He is looking for life sentences without possibility of parole. And we fool ourselves and we say, yeah, I can, I can deal with that anytime I like. I'm bigger than that. Don't fool yourself. Because if we don't make choices to think about what we're doing and take action, then it will be a life sentence. Let's get our ears checked. Are we listening? Are we learning? Thirdly, Solomon challenges us thirdly to keep our hearts and our hands open. Are we givers? or grabbers. Keep our hearts and hands open. Are we givers or grabbers? 
He says, God gives some people wealth, possessions, and honor so that they lack nothing their hearts desire. But God does not grant them the ability to enjoy them, and strangers enjoy them instead. This is meaningless, a a grievous evil. We've already heard Solomon had it all. $3.6 million a day, 700 wives, 300 concubines. Pastor Dowry described this, what what Solomon would have seen as a hedonistic paradise, Pleasureville. But three truths come out from this man who had done it all and seen it all. First of all, our appetite will grow alongside our accumulation. As our accumulations grow in size, so our appetites get supersized. That's why the lottery winners who won $200 million last week in Europe went on TV and said that they're still going to buy a lottery ticket. Isn't $200 million enough? But you see, the accumulation has come, and the appetite has already grown. Secondly, we need to know that worry won't be ended by riches and accumulation. What we do is this. We we worry that we don't have enough, and then when when it looks like we have enough, we worry that we're going to lose what we've got. Solomon talks about the foreigner, the stranger who might take his wealth away. He's demonstrating that our capacity to worry and be anxious will not be cancelled out simply by accumulation. It takes more than that. And then he gives us a hint about God being linked with enjoyment. Because he makes a shocking statement about God giving but then withholding the ability to enjoy those riches. I'm intrigued by that because a lot of people seem to think that God is the opposite of enjoyment. It's almost like he's the enemy of enjoyment. I want to say that God is the key to true enjoyment, authentic enjoyment. 1 Timothy 6, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, listen to this, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I think that's fantastic that God is actually the key ingredient to a fulfilled life that will include enjoyment. And the Apostle Paul, writing to the Philippians, he says, I've learned to be content. He's a rich man. How does he do that? He says two verses later, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God is the key. I I wonder today, are, are, are some of us still desperately scurrying around, trying to extract something fabulous from life and missing the point that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the the life. He's the heartbeat of it all. Well, the last thing, and boy, this maybe sounds a little negative, but Solomon nudges us to make sure that our funerals are planned and live not just a long life, but a significant life. Funeral planning, living not just long, but significant. He says, if you don't receive a proper burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. Now, we've already touched on on that verse. Why does he say that? In the Near East, in the Middle East, a funeral was a big deal. It was really important to have the right send-off. And I don't know, maybe I'm just getting older, but I'm thinking more about this stuff these days. Uh, I had to visit, Kay and I visited 
uh, a number of elderly care facilities last week in England because my mum is, is uh, needing some help in that area. And I didn't have the crutch with me. At the, I hadn't had the accident. I wish I could say I had. But in two of these homes, the, pe- the person showing us around looked at me and said, do you think you can manage the stairs? And then I went into one of these places. I'm not making this up. And there's this lovely 90-year-old lady. She is sitting there in a wheelchair. And she looked at me as I came in. And she, she pointed at me. She said, he looks just like my husband. Come in, honey. You're welcome. <laughs> I got hit on by a 90-year-old. It's a good thing, you know, to stop pretending that we're getting older. Every one of us, whatever youth we have, so many people try and get away from that. Cryogenics, they call it. It's not freezing the body. It's called vitrification of the body. You put the body 120 degrees, minus 120 degrees or less, why are people doing that? Why have a hundred people already done that and over a thousand people legally made preparation to do that? I'll tell you why. It's because we want to deny the reality that is coming. I can't remember who said it now, but someone said the statistics on death are pretty impressive. <laughs> one out of every one people die. Are we doing funeral planning in the sense of legacy? Isn't that what this weekend's about? It's about being able to celebrate legacy, life lived well, making an impact, making a difference. One writer says, what good is it for me to add years to my life if I don't add life to my years? I was thinking about what song I'd like to choose for a funeral, for my funeral. I looked at the funeral top 10. There is a funeral top 10, believe it or not. And the number one song is not Amazing Grace. I'm, I'm amazed by the selection. Uh, in the funeral top 10, uh, they have I've Had the Time of My Life. Yeah. I was rather surprised to see that Every Breath You Take by the police is up there. This is a bit odd because someone's not breathing. Uh, ACDC's song, Highway to Hell, is in the top ten. And then I was stunned by this Queen song, Another One Bites the Dust. That's up there. (laughs) Angels by Robbie Williams. That's, That's no surprise. You know the number one song for funerals? Frank Sinatra's My Way. And with respect to anybody who has ever chosen that song, I'm not going to choose it. And Solomon is saying to us, don't do it your way with your under the sun eyesight, but do it God's way. My way is a poor song for living and a poor song for dying. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, as we 
have had the privilege this weekend to be together to celebrate and to think about life as we once again peer over the shoulder of Solomon and see him writing his journal we realize that he has startling lessons to teach us and we want to be those who learn we want to get it would you save us from the deception that somehow the things that grip us that we can shake them loose and then Lord we just keep going and those things that we are playing with become life sentences help us to see straight You know, before I continue this prayer, we often ask for response at the end of a service. It's a good thing to do because we want to not just preach God's Word, but we want together to respond to it. But I, I wonder how many of us this morning would say, you know what, I've, I've been seeing things wrongly, and I get it now. And I, I don't want this continuation into a life sentence. I, I, I'm going to make a choice about that pattern, about that destructive lifestyle. Just to be clear, I'm asking you to respond to this, not, not simply if you could do better as a Christian, but because you know that you've been seeing something wrongly and now you're getting it. And if that's true for you, wherever you are in this or the, the South Auditorium, would you just slip your hand up right now if that's where you find yourself? Would you do that right away? Do it as a, a decisive act that you're asking God to witness. And thank you for your responses. Would you put your hands down? Lord, we, we want to say today that we would like to do things your way. Would you give us grace to see not only what Solomon sees in his meandering and his confusion there are jewels to be found there in the mud of his confusion but help us to see from your point of view your wisdom and for each of us who've responded today would you grant grace as we say I want to see it and I want to do it your way why don't you fill in the blank before we say an amen and just say whatever you'd like to say to Jesus right now. Maybe compose a sentence in your heart. So Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.